The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt just poked his head back in. What were you asking? Was that just your ass? It made a noise. What the fuck? I just got back from Disney. Was that zippity doodah? Your yeah. asshole? We have duty talk today. Matt is back, as you can hear. hey Joseph Benavides calls in. And also, Jason Flom, who is the CEO of Lava Records and one of the co-founders of the Innocence Project. Fascinating fucking guy. He discovered Lord. He discovered Kid Rock. This guy is really, really interesting. And he's a part of a really, and I hate to say an important charity, but they get innocent people out of jail. Fascinating guy. He may finish it here. Oh, he's, he's out. out. He's out. out. It's all over. UFC and digital media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts. Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Hi, it's Jim Norton, and today is a big day on UFC Unfiltered. I've had to go at it with Luis J. Gomez, who I enjoy, and he's a buddy for many years. However, things have not been the same in the last... 10 days. They haven't been the same without me. They I'm back. Matt, Matt could not even wait. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, did Sarah I ruin it? No, no, wait, wait. No, that's perfect. Matt Sarah is back. I'm very happy. I'm looking at back. the clock. It was 40 seconds. I, do, I don't know when I'm supposed to chime in. <laughs> I missed you, but buddy, I missed you. Yeah, I did too. I'm very happy you're back. Look at me for a second. Yeah. I missed you. I missed you too. I'm very happy you're back. Now, do me a favor. And I heard the show when I was gone. Produce, I miss you too, Chris, the producer. I miss you too, man. Good yeah, to have you don't, back. Don't look at me though. Yeah. But um, you know what's funny? I listened to the show when I was gone. It was fun. It was fun. You had a fun time. I did. I mean, was, he, I, was he sitting in my seat? He was. He was. Sitting was, to the right of you? He was um, but it just didn't feel the same. Just do me a favor. Now, you, now, listen. I know you had a good time. Sure. I want to be very mature about this. Sure. Just blink a lot if you if you you, you enjoy me in here better than him. just blink. Oh, okay. I I'm not going to say anything. I blink else. a lot anyway. You blink anyway. <laughs> but I'll say that verbally. I love Luis J. Gomez. He does a great oh, job with Michael Bisping. He does a great job. Fun he, podcast. Yeah. But I I miss Matt Sarah. Matt's my partner. Oh man, dude, we are we are partners. Yes, <laughs> we certainly are. I'm so happy to be back, dude. First of all. Three episodes. That's that's too much, man. You went to fucking Australia. You got in, back in time. No, I missed three. Oh, what am I saying? I missed three you because did of miss that. Three. Yeah, no? it's, it's it's hard. I wanted to do, to do one early, but Chris said no. We didn't want to tape early. All of a sudden, I, I guess I'm, well, I'm not important. I thought you missed only two. Did you I miss three? three? 
three. No, we got back. No, you you ended up getting back for you one. Got we back. Moved it. You got oh, back. Oh, right, you're right. I know. I we, came from the airport. Almost. I only got two friends. I had Henzo in here one day and Longo the other. That's right. I'm like, who else? That was it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, and that was not the same at all. So yeah, it, it always feels different. But it's it's weird with the podcast. Like it's such an ongoing and long thing. We hit yeah. three million downloads, by the way. What? Three million downloads. That's got to be a good thing. I Just the other day, you told me we had two million. It's a great thing. Yeah, we're when picking, Dana was here, we were at like, whatever, two points. But yeah, we're over three now. So we're picking oh, up steam. We're doing all right. We're doing very, very well. Because I was going to bring this up off the air, see how we were doing. We're doing great. Do, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have a great time. Yeah. And that's all I know. I don't really, I, I don't do research on how I don't either, buddy. I don't you either. Know? Chris told me this today. Yeah, so and this said, is good I news. Said, I said, Chris, we're going to have to let you go. And he goes, but we're over three million. I'm like, it's already? A, he goes, all right, so he's here. It's a fucking celebration, bitches. It's By exciting. the way, but I'm still panicking because Matt's yeah. cornering Chris Weidman against Yorma. Yeah, I'm so I'm Matt's in, but now Chris has got oh, me I'm all in. nervous that I'm not getting into 205. I'm all fucked up over it. Yeah, I think I'm panicking. No, you're gonna get. I'm panicking. Right. Right. But I don't want to sit in the back. I want to hang with the guys and get a badge. Mm. I won't abuse it. Yeah. I won't bring back like hot chicks. I won't be an asshole. I'll mind my business. This I'll is be nice. This is the hot ticket in town, though. What a what a, what a what a fight card. The hottest. I enjoy the card is so fucking good. Oh no, man. it's insane. Jesus, it is insane. Um, I enjoyed the fights. I enjoyed the fights over uh, over the weekend. I enjoyed. We I talked about too. that already. I know, but uh, Gay Guard, I thought was awesome. I'm I'm saying that right now. Yes, you are. Yeah, good. A guy on there goes, "Why do you keep calling him Gerard?" I go, "I was joking around, you yeah. dumb fuck. Can I have a good time and it was relax?" Him. It was him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Said, I didn't you, look. I think that was Musashi. He, he said, "Why do you keep calling me?" <laughs> that's what. That's what it was. But uh, I like. I really do like that guy. You know. And then. Uh, and then. And then there's, there's the Bisping fight. What am I? There's the fight. That first fight. Bring I missed the first, first fight, one. The name. It was. Um, I got home late for that one. Give me the name of that kid because I want to give him a shout out because I was all over. Of the, the main card, you said? No, yeah, the main card. Mursad Bektik? Yes. Yeah. That was great, man. He the had a good naked fight. Show. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun one to watch. You missed that. I, that was the one fight I missed on the yeah. main card, obviously. And then uh, we didn't talk about. Um, give me. Give, it's. Um, don't, don't tell me. The fight before. It was obviously it was Hendo Bisping. Yeah. The fight before. Um, Feels like it was so long ago. Vitor Belfort and uh, Gagar Mursad. Hold on. Don't tell me who's a fight. I got it. Uh, I just don't want to kill the. No, wait a minute. I know, I know. Uh, Oh, God. Give me one of the names. Saints. Yeah, Oven St. Prue. Oven St. Prue got knocked out. Oh, you want the whole name? Oh, I thought you meant the. OSP got knocked out by the fucking uh, Brit uh, Jim uh, 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 Maui or. Manoa. Manoa, yeah, yeah, okay. How do you pronounce it? Manoa. That was a great knockout. And he was, man, that guy was relentless. He was relentless. Yeah. Right, I didn't think OSP looked that bad up until that point. No, I think he, I think he had the right game. It might have been just I don't know if he just ran out of steam and not that he just ran out of steam because uh, Manaway was uh, was was relentless and he right. was and he was poised and he was in his face. He was walking him down and uh, he was fearless and the and uh, and and OSP had some good. I think he had a good game plan. He was trying to, and his corner was saying the right things. But if you look at them both in the beginning of that second round, you could see a, a big difference. Did yep. you yeah. Did you think that in the in the main car too? Did you think that Henderson looked tired by round two? I see, thought he was breath- mouth breathing. He looked like he was a little. It's bit- one of those things where, and again, I told you, I caught it by the fourth round. I went back and watched the whole thing. Right. <laughs> which sucks because it's not as fun as no whether seeing if the guy got past the uh, Michael Bisping got past the uh, opening onslaught in the second round when he got dropped. It's like shit. I already knew that he got past sure. that. But but Henderson's one of those guys. Even when he's tired, he looks tired. That that right hand can just still yeah it, yeah. It, it still it doesn't take 
it's still dangerous, man. But uh, I was really impressed, and I said this the other day with uh, Bisping's. Just he was he talked about relentless, man. Yeah. And and it was funny when you were on here because I went back and I listened uh, to the thing, and Forrest brought up to him like, "Oh, you leaded with this, then that's the counter is his right hand or whatever." Like you leave yourself open, and Bisping's right though, man. If you get if you look into it, if you you're not going to throw anything if you're thinking, oh, well, that guy, there's always right. a counter to a counter to That's a right. counter. So what is he going to do? Not make the fight? Right. Enough for nothing. You're supposed to be bringing the fight to the champ. He's the champ, but yet he's bringing the fight. I mean, I, I can't get over and tell you enough how much uh, I respect that attitude because a lot, if everybody had that attitude, fuck, think about the fights we'd see. Guys yeah. are afraid to, and I'm not saying go out there haphazardly and just throw fucking haymakers. Do, and yeah, just, just don't do crazy, the fucking yeah. windmill. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, but you know, he, he was trying to just impose his will right? and doing that when you're going to touch somebody, you're there to be touched. Keep that clean, Jimmy. I don't know. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I know what, what you mean? mean? A little men, yeah, helmet to helmet. Man. Matt and I are like the letter H standing here. <laughs> Two boners. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Chris is the cuck. Yeah, just watching. Oh, That's what I felt up in like. Corner, listen, listening to you and Lewis on here, I felt like a cuck. He's like, oh, they're doing it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. No, I thought it was oh, I thought it was shit. a really good fight. I, I enjoyed it very much. I, I liked I was happy Bisping won, even though I like Henderson. Um, but I, I, I don't want to see... I think Henderson might have retired with the belt. I, I want to see Bisping fight again. It is. It's actually better better for the sport, better for everything that, you know, that, that Bisping actually won. And, 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 you know, I know there's some controversy about it, but I'm okay with it. Me it too. Was, you know what I mean? I believe he won the last three rounds, uh, even if you score the first round. Um, it's a weird thing in, uh, in MMA with the whole... If the guy gets dropped, is it a 10-8 round? I mean, is it auto- it's not automatically a 10-8 round. It's not like boxing right. in that sense. You right? felt that Chris, you, the producer, like, can't you, you felt that he because bested Because sometimes, like, oh, he dropped them, and and that should be a 10-8. But the se- in the first round, possibly, because when he dropped them, he followed up, and he, and he almost looked like he was going to finish him off. I mean, yeah. Bisping was doing the best he could. He was squirming, and he was moving. He's you know, fighting the best he, best he can uh, under the circumstances. But the second round wasn't really the same thing. Yeah, he got a clean knockdown, but it wasn't like, all right, it's almost over. It was more like, all right, now he's riding this thing out. And up until that point, Bisping was winning that second round. So, well, yeah, I need, I need a new, I'm trying to get a catchphrase or something that can, people can latch on to. I think I know what I'm going to say. What's that? He was ready to clean his clock. Oh, wait, is that, is that, are you, is that yours? Me. I'm just gonna before. say that clean probably. His, oh, that's, that's gonna an old school thing. expression. Oh, clean his clock. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. Did you see when he dropped him in the first round? <laughs> yeah, I said he's about to clean his clock. <laughs> what exactly? <laughs> when you think about that saying, what exactly does it say? Clean his well, clock. If you hear it fast, it reminds me of when I'm out with a young lady. <laughs> However, in this uh, case, we are talking <laughs> about besting your opponent. Oh shit. First of all, how do I look, dude? I was away for Remind a while. Me, you look a little, not, a little big. Oh no, no, oh no, no. That's no, not. That's not sweaty. That's uh, it's water. Okay, I threw water on my no, face. No, you don't look fat. You look. You same. know what it is? I've been. You always you eat. Now I'm a combination of a fucking. Oh, I must uh, be a pussy. <laughs> Get it, guys. I'm a man. <laughs> fucking what a layup! It's like we planned that. That was fucking great. Right. Or you're an asshole. It's a combination of both. <laughs> oh shit! What did you eat? Did you oh eat? fucking Mickey pretzels! You ever have a Mickey pretzel? You ever go to Disney? I have not. Disney World? Yes, I've been there. Chris from Disney, it's, Disney World. I, yes, we're not going to... Yeah, neighborhood gonna, notifications. We're not going to elaborate that. I'm allowed to go back in 2024. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, have you, the Mickey pretzels, they're fucking pretzels, soft pretzels, but like with the ears. So it's a bigger pretzel. Oh, it's a, oh, you have mustard so, on it? So, nah, I don't like mustard. Oh, you don't like mustard. I, dude, I'm a weird guy with the condiments. That's right, you did tell me Nothing, that. man. How about salt? 
Oh, yes, of course. What's better than this? Okay, a nice fucking burned, the smell of a New York pretzel. Yeah. You know when the one side, the underside is like a fucking, it's like a black rock because it's burned <laughs> you like that? and it's crispy and you can hear it and you put mustard on it. You have a Diet Coke. Fuck. Uh, I'm, hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm big with that. Fucking oh, hungry. Oh, dude, I was a fat guy. But you know what? I walked so much over these damn parks. It's almost like maybe it evened itself out. We had a fucking hurricane out there, oh, you know? Right. So I lost a couple days. So I only had five said, days. Only had five days. Yeah, we had like a little condo out there and we get a place where we... Uh, so when we first get there, like we're there, like for the, because it's so long, we're there for fucking 11 days. Uh, we go, we hit like Walmart like, and we sure. fucking just, we load just up. load up and we pack up because the place has a, a kitchen and a washer dryer and this and that. So we just fucking gear up and and just fucking settle in for the fucking week. So now what, did yeah. you go on rides? Oh yeah, man. You, you're not afraid? Well, you know what's cute now is that my old, my oldest is seven, Angelina, and she's tall enough to go on some of the roller coasters. Oh, right, the height thing. So that's cool. She's able to do that now. So yeah, other than that, it's fucking E.T. and fucking Were there Peter any that Pan. she could get on that you couldn't? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's fucked up, man? Even when she was younger, she would do it. Her, she's like, hey, dad, mommy's, because my wife's like 5'7", so she, you know, she doesn't, she's around, maybe a little taller than me. So uh, she's always like, daddy's, oh wait, daddy's small and mommy's with her hands, she's showing me. And, and, and mommy, oh wait, mommy's big and daddy's small. I'm like, what the fuck? How tall are you? Five six, maybe in a half, but you can't say the half. I do. That's, I always say five. Six I don't and a half. say the half. I do. It's it's. You know what? And eventually, I'm going to start shrinking. So I'll be like fucking five five. Good, you be a little. But I get. Power I'm, plug. I'm wide though. Yeah, you're stocky. I'm guy. a powerful motherfucker. Yeah, you are. You're a little fire plug. <laughs> Filled with Long Island rage. That's a problem. <laughs> Long Island rage. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Let me tell you, I I was a second from doing this by phone again. I was I. I almost missed the damn train, and that, how pathetic would that have been? My first day back, I, I would listen. By the time I got settled in, we got to JFK last night around I don't know maybe eleven p.m. and my and Ciro, my in laws live like ten minutes away from there, so she wants to stop. Ciro picks us up in the minivan. We go over to my in laws to watch the kids because by the time we go to home, they're gonna be done. You know what I mean? Long ass day. So fucking. Um, what time did you leave? We left. It's a quick uh, flight. No, it's only a couple hours. So we left at like at like eight or eight something. And we got back in a couple hours from Orlando. Yeah, it's no, it's not a big big flight, but uh, so that's not bad at all. But the kids were awake all day, so we wanted to wash them and then get them back. And so by the time I got home last night, man, seriously, it was like after after two. And so I only got a few hours sleep, man, because I wanted to wake up this morning. And I said to myself, I set up. I'm gonna go. I'm back on track. I gotta fucking get a, a training in because I didn't sweat. Like I did a, a jujitsu. Uh, little workshop out there with my buddy John Burke. He has a school out there. He's a Hoist Gracie black belt. You know what I mean? And uh, so, I, so I did that, but I didn't really sweat, man. I didn't get a good sweat out. So my so this morning, man, I met up at like uh, my buddy, you know, of course, Pete Drago Cell, my buddy Gary Rock, and we fucking just got a nice hour of solid rolling in. Let me ask you a question. Man. You left it. at eight o'clock. That's how different a traveler Matt is than me. I'm first flight out guy. What do you do all day when you know you got a flight at eight? Don't you just well, sit? I'll tell you what we do. Uh, we went to downtown Disney because we had to do another thing with Disney. You know, my wife couldn't get enough of that. She loves it. Oh, she fucking, that's her favorite place. I went there with her when we were in fucking, just got married, just me and her. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, so I went to, uh, we went to downtown Disney and then we saw a movie. We killed a couple of hours. We saw storks. <laughs> storks, you know, the, the birds, you know, dropping babies off. Uh, it was good though. The kids, I like the movie. I'm a movie guy. 
as long as it's the right crowd, you know. And it was a good crowd. There was nobody in there. It was me and my family. And, and then there's like stores over there and, you know, stuff like that. If somebody was on their cell phone, like reading the monitor, like, you know, reading their cell phone, would you say something to them? Uh, oh, yeah. There's, yeah. If it's too much, if it's right in, if it's in the, my line of vision, I'm pretty, I go pretty close. I don't go in the back. Otherwise, you're seeing a lot of that. I'm always and, in the back, yeah. Yeah, I'm not in the back. I'm in the front more. Right, so you know? what will you say to somebody? How will you ask them? Mm, it gets to the point where it gets... It, well, it depends. Like, if it's overbearing, I'm going to have to say something like, hey, man, could you, could you do me a favor and shut that, you know, and, and shut that or keep your phone a little lower? I don't care if they're on the phone. I just don't want, I don't like the guys that have it in front of their face like they're in the fucking, wherever they're at. Like, they're in the, just, they're, like just, they're in the barbershop. Yeah, fuck. With a park. It's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. I shouldn't be the guy to feel bad about saying something. I'm not the dick. You're the dick. Not you, Jimmy. I missed you. Jimmy. No, but I, I envy your ability. So you'll say something and they usually like put it better? away? Who do you like better, me or Lewis? It's not even close. <laughs> I like Lewis, but I love Matt. <laughs> How fucking... Listen, that guy might cover for me again. And first of all, Forrest was fucking excellent. I, I enjoyed that. I love Forrest. Forrest I wish he was here. Great. Forrest, Forrest is fucking Forrest great. Here. I would He's love... Really dude, funny. Hey, man. If there's ever a third guy, either Forrest or maybe Forrest and Longo could fight it out. It'd be like that scene in fucking Batman where they, they break the, 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 the pool cue and they throw it on the floor oh, yeah. and we got room for one more guy. Yeah, tryouts, have some tryouts. You know, and you say, you would think Forrest has the edge because he's the ultimate fighter and Longo's fucking 70. No, yeah. it. Longo's not that old. We can't get a third guy but in here because that's Longo with our the, money. Did you ever see Longo with the sticks? You got to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet a video later or Instagram it. Ray Longo with sticks, with a stick in his hand. Motherfucker, you got to see him. He's like a fucking, it's like a kung fu movie. So is he good with a weapon? He's good with a weapon. He teaches knife fighting. and. So and is Ray fighting. a problem with a weapon? Like if somebody confronts him. Yeah, Ray's somebody. always got a, a, a something on him. He's always got a blade oh, on right? him. Yeah, Ray's, Ray, Ray's a guy that you wouldn't understand as a fucking killer. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't really. He's a big dude though. Because he, he looks like he moves slow. But the guy fucking moves. The guy can move fast. I'm going to show you this video later. Guy's going to want to see it. So that's going to be fucking awesome. So you would ask someone to go out. Now you come back at 8 o'clock, you go to the movies, you land yeah. late and you're tired. Why'd you almost miss the train? What time did you get up? Well, this guy got up early, man. Well, I got up early considering I went to bed around like, I don't know, after 3. So I got up like uh, be like around 6.45, which isn't Wow, the not much time. No, no, dude. That's why if I seem a little... No, I'm actually amped right now. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you're here. I mean, look, the bottom... You know, yeah. The only thing like... It was like you coming back, I was psyched about. Yes. I was very psyched. I was talking to Chris, and he said, dude, Audible is offering listeners at UFC Unfiltered a free audiobook. I'm like, what are you talking about? Audible? Dude, he said a free audiobook. I said, for what? I said, do you have to cut your hand off? You cut both your feet off? And he goes, no. It's a 30-day trial membership. Mm. And then he goes, Jim, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks. I said, come on, what else? He said, news, <laughs> original shows, comedy. I said, that's got to be it. And he goes, no, more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and newspapers. I'm like, I simply don't believe it. He pokes me in the chest and he says, plus, you can check out channels. I said, what is that, Chris? Audible's collection of exclusive originals, short stories, and comedy. Channels includes the best of news, podcasts, handpicked, continually refreshed, always new stuff. Audible also offers the send this book feature. This is probably my favorite feature. You share a book from your library with anyone, and it's free if it's their first time accepting a book. Maybe you just finished reading Happy Endings, The Tales of a Meaty-Breasted Zilch. That's my book. <laughs> it's your it's book. a good book. Somebody said, how would you describe your book? I said, it's a good read, but a better listen. Here's something else that's cool. You get a free audio book of your own when you use the code UFC. That's mm -hmm. how you know Matt and I sent you. 
Go to audible.com slash UFC. Browse the unmatched selections of audio programs. Do it while you're on the toilet. Flip through your iPad, download a free title, and you start listening. It's really that easy. Before you're finished, here's what you do. You sit down, uh, start swiping, sign up. By the time you're like flush, you're in the middle of chapter one. Go to audible.com slash UFC. That's audible.com slash UFC. Promo code UFC. Get started today. You have nothing else to do. It's a good day for listening to a book. It sure is. <laughs> That's my two cents on the Audible. We have a fun show today, too. Joseph Benavides, we've had on the show, who was a really fun guest. We're going to talk to him for a few minutes because he is promoting. What is he promoting, Jim? He is promoting <laughs> Sorry, uh, the, the entire uh, the Ultimate uh, Ultimate Fighter, last night's episode, of oh. course. And um, talking about what's coming up. And we have Jason Flom in studio. He's a music mogul. And he's very big. And this is what I want to ask him about. Project Innocence. Ooh. Which, to me, uh, stops the appeals of people who are innocent because they're taking up too much time. No, I'm kidding. That's not what it is. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's for, for freeing innocent people from jail. Is this Joseph? What's up? Hey, buddy. It's uh, Matt Sarah, and uh, I'm Jim Norton talking <clears throat> to you again. How you doing, brother? What's up, Joe? What's up, my man? How you guys doing? Very, very good. Um, how is this season going for you? Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's the greatest ever. What, what's, what, what, are you, what are you enjoying so much about it? Are we on already? Or are you just yeah. Oh, dude. yeah, absolutely. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> He's um, like, oh, you're just shooting the shit. <laughs> what's yeah, that? I was just like, oh, I thought you guys were warming me up a little bit. No, no but that's how people know you're honest and that you really are enjoying it. That's because great. when you thought yeah, you yeah, weren't recording, true. you said it's that's great. It. We go right in on this show. No lube. The whole experience was awesome, but the season watching it unfold right now is like, oh man, it's even better because I get to I get to see a little bit more of the guys and you know their stories and stuff. Like we see them in the gym, we see the fights, and it was outstanding. I had the best time. Like I think I've said in other interviews before, it was just one of the most rewarding, you know, challenging experience of my career. You know, it gave me just another perspective to look at the sport. You know, and like after eleven years in the sport, you get like an experience like this was. It was so awesome and almost like reinvigorated my like love and just like the way I look at the sport, which was awesome. You know, I, it's something I think I really needed. So these guys were like as big a part of my journey as, you know, hopefully I was them, you know, by just trying to help them and stuff. But uh, it was awesome, man. Watching it unfold. I mean, if anyone's watched the show, you know, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, um, is this this is airing after the oh last yeah yeah last fight, right? night's fight we saw last night's oh uh, fight so, which I was kind of bummed like, at the results uh, to be honest I always root for the underdog that was a really really great fight really good all the fights like I said if you watch it we watched Ultimate Fighter for the fights yes there's some drama yes there's some great characters some great stories but these fights have been incredible I mean eight fights eight finishes never been done you know in the history of the Ultimate Fighter. And I think that just shows the difference of the level of fighters, you know. Not there, there hasn't been so much great talent since, like, you know, a lot of it. This is amazing. I'm talking to Matt Sarah because <laughs> so many people compared this to the to the comeback season. Yeah, you know, of just like we actually have real talent in there where someone is gonna get a win, and people say, "Oh, it can't happen. It can't happen." It's like, why not? Matt Sarah did it. Why and, not? That you know, midget did exactly it. The same thing. <laughs> Right? And yeah, exactly, exactly, man. And let me tell you that that Tim Elliott, man, he's uh yes. very unorthodox. I was talking about it uh earlier with uh with Jimmy. He it almost reminds me of a Dominic Cruz, the way he he's moving his, mm-hmm. his he has his arms, his hands down, the way he's moving his he's a little unorthodox, the way he blends in his takedowns. Um yeah, dude. And, and you fought him back in the day, right? Is that was that an and awkward situation? 
coaching him there? No, I'll say the same thing, man, was like, he's awkward. And if you watch any of Tim Elliott's fights, like, you don't really get a read on the guy. Like, I mean, he fought John Dotson, Ali Bogatinov, um, gave those guys hell where you could literally both give him the win. And those are title contenders. I'm a title contender. I finished him, but he was giving me hell the four minutes that fight lasted. You know, I think he took me down three or four times in that half round that we fought, you know, and I was lucky enough to get a finish on him. But, I mean, the guy's a, uh, you know, the guy is just a hard night out for anybody. So, uh, yeah, that's why I picked him first. He's the most experienced. Um, I'd obviously fought him before, so I had a tremendous amount of respect for him. Like, I liked him before we fought. And then after we fought, like, you know, you gain that certain respect for him and you're just like, man, really respect this guy. He's crazy. But, um, yeah, man, getting to know him on a deeper level, it was awesome, man. It was professional. It was, it was awesome. He was, he was glad to be on my team, which was a relief because that's, you know, who I wanted and picked first. And um, it was nice. Yeah, it was a relief to be on my team. And, you know, he told, he said, he told cameras before the fight, or before the picks, like, I don't want to be on Team Cejudo. You know, I want to be on Joe's. And it was just nice, man. It was nice working with the former opponent that you respect so much. And, you know, I think we both learned, honestly, from each other. And uh, he's just a nice, like, spirit to have on the team. You know, he's almost a leader, but he's also this just negative, just prick that, that gives crap to everybody. <laughs> all the time and you need that as well like me included you know he'd give me crap all the time so it was cool you know he's more like all these guys you know they were more like teammates than they were you know they were more like peers and teammates than they were like me being a coach you know i just happened to be the most experienced guy at the at the table so it was nice yeah because they're not green they've been around they're champions they're champions in their own right and by saying that the guy was cool and you had that almost like a bond with him because you fought him. You know, I, I definitely relate with that. Let me throw some uh, MMA trivia at you. That choke, he, the bulldog choke, the one that he won, who got the welterweight title with that choke? Do you know? You might have been, dude, actually, you're, you're fucking, this might be, uh, this goes way back. I mean, this is back in I'm going to say Carlos Newton. Fuck yeah. Good job, man. Look at that. Yeah? Was, yes. Even he, though he got, you said that before, I still wanted to guess Matt Sarah. <laughs> fucking not. I, that was with my <laughs> fisticuffs. But, uh, that's what I, but um, yeah, man, he uh, he was got that, that with, yes, it was. It was Carlos Newton versus Pat Militich. And uh, I remember the second it happened, I remember I fought on that same card versus uh, Shoney Carter where I got backfist and, and put out. Oh, but no. uh, yeah, that was my debut that, on that card. We, we've all been in, there. UF, yeah, we've been there, right? UFC 31. Now I feel old. I shouldn't have even brought that story up. Oh, come on. You look young. You look great. You just had fun in Disney. Joseph, yeah. Matt's really hard on himself. No, no. I, you know what it is, Joe? I just got back from Disney. You with just the went fam- to Disney, Matt? Yeah, I was there with my my wife and my three little girls. And uh, I was there for 11 days. So Jimmy's like, dude, the I haven't... The land or the world? Oh, uh, the world, uh, Florida. Yeah, I always, oh, nice. I always mess it up because I go, oh, we're going to Disneyland. My wife's like, world. I go, sorry. Is there a fucking mouse there? Yes, good. Stop giving me shit. Days, bro. That's a battle. <laughs> Fuck. But, uh, dude, I mean, I'll tell you, Joe. I mean, you you obviously eat better than me, but I've been eating Mickey pretzels and having fucking Hot Pockets. Dude. I'm a, I'm a disgrace right now. Jimmy's dude, looking at me in tough, disgust. <laughs> it's not disgust. We've all been there as well, dude. I mean, I've, they don't call me the beefcake Joe Beesity for nothing, man. Oh, yeah. Joe you can see. I, I, <laughs> Joe I just went to Disney World, dude. It's the same thing. You don't have... I mean, you don't have the options. You're walking around the park all day. You get hungry instantly. Yeah, it's and true. not to mention all these damn snacks look delicious. But they actually have some nice restaurants there with the little uh, Epcot, like World Center, all the different cuisines and stuff. Yeah, man. Nice. Even downtown Disney, there was some spots that 
We mm-hmm, hit mm-hmm. a lot of spots. How long you been Dude, married? How days, long? Man. How long you been married for now? Or you're just engaged? We just had it. No, we just had an. We just had our uh, year wedding anniversary oh, on uh, on the ninth. Yeah. So oh, it's look been at a year that. Married. There you yeah, go. So the honeymoon's not even over. Basically, you're you're new. You're you're still fresh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's good. Know, it also like I mean. Dude, it's great, man. Every day I feel lucky. So nah, uh, that's great, man. Ah, uh, wait till you have kids. What a blast that is. That's fucking so much fun. Yeah. I had such a good time yeah, with my kids. This, this, I, I really just enjoy the being around them. All right, this is becoming. Like, yeah. Let's get back to the fights, Jimmy. Well, Don't four and me. four between. I the love two life, teams. though. Life is great. Life is great, man. It's a fucking journey, and uh, and you guys really kind of dislike each other, don't you? Who, me and Joe? No, no Joe I, and Henry. I love Joe. Okay. Oh, me and Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude. This is the thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even push it to, you know, the extreme of like a dis. Well, I guess yeah. Dislike might be good. Like I don't hate him, and there's not there's not like a real animosity there. Sure. It's just all right. We're competing against each other, and we already have a clash of personalities. Like if you talk to him, if you talk to me, if you meet either of us, we're completely opposite people. He likes to talk about himself, take himself very seriously. This and that. There's just. Little obviously personality and like character traits that like I don't like about him and he doesn't like about me and I think we're clashing that way. So then you make us competitors. We're obviously going to pick at that and it's different because on the show it's like we're not fighting. If it was fighting, it'd probably be a lot less, you know, because hey, we get to fight each other right now, you know, whatever. If it was like a press conference, but when you know you're going to fight someone for five months and then you're put in there to compete with them, but not necessarily, you know, like on the show, we're Throwing not throwing fisticuffs, right? For our, for our fight yet, we're like, hey, I have my team, you have your team. I want to prove, you know, this. I want to prove that. And obviously, there's little things that go in, which I don't necessarily believe a lot of them lead to the fight because the fight's a fight. And when it starts, it starts, you know, whatever else happened has happened. So it's just a little different like that. So it just got pushed to like, you know, mainly just annoying each other and like our personalities clashing. You know, I don't think Henry's a bad guy. I just, uh, you know, don't like some of his, like I said, character personality traits. But, you know, that was nice because I got to deal with that more on the show where now that we move forward to the fight, I look at him as an athlete and a fighter and, you know, I can look at qualities that are good about him and bad about him, obviously, which you would with any opponent now. But, you know, on the show, is more about, hey, you know, we're not fighting for six months. It's about these guys. I'm a coach. You're a coach. We're competing. So, yeah, like I said, it was more about the, the character and personality that I just didn't um, enjoy about him. Okay. It's so much more fun, though, that if there's something you don't like about him, it, it's more fun mm-hmm. when you're fighting a guy like that. It really is. And you seem like a guy yeah. that doesn't... Uh, even just for, not even about the emotion, being emotional when you're fighting, nothing like that, because that doesn't help anybody. But just to get you out of bed sure. in the morning, to get that extra workout, to get the extra rounds of sparring, because you're like, oh man, that guy, I cannot stand. I get to punch him in the fucking face. Look at Chris when you say that. Jimmy. <laughs> it scares me. Oh man, but it does. That it definitely helps the training and the intensity and everything. Like that helps so much. And the fact. Just the show in general, the fact that we went through all this and it's been built up and, you know, people are watching and people are taking his side and loving him. And, like, I never had people, you know, hate me in my life or say anything. And now people are like, oh, you know, you're this and you're that. And, you know, I'm going for Cejudo. It's just like, cool, man, keep watching. You know, hopefully people change their mind because, you know, I'm comfortable with who I am. Like, if they don't like me, that's cool. But that's my real personality or at least what they wanted to edit. 
And it's just like, oh, I hope he beats you up. So now it's just like <laughs> there's more people to like prove wrong. And that's always like a nice, nice thing, you know, where before, yeah, I mean, you know, no one would ever, you know, come at me really in that realm unless it was like someone else's was really passionate about the guy they were fighting. But now seeing it unfold and every day and every week getting this and that, uh, just the buildup in general, you know, with him and fans and the fighters and everything is just uh, – just another part of the competition man and and uh like i said it gets me out the bed and the door in the morning and you know helps me focus every second i'm, I'm away at the gym you know what i notice about you buddy is um it's a really good thing i like I, there's always drama around and like you're, you're part of team alpha male yet you bring in Dwayne uh ludwig to help out and there's all this people well oh, this one doesn't like this one that one with this one everybody's got their own beef but you seem to be getting along with everybody Besides, besides fucking Henry, right or wrong? No, yeah. I mean are you, are you you don't get involved. With, you don't get involved with that with that with, with any bullshit. No, Joe. No, nah, I just I don't, man. Like you know, my outlook is just like it's just like you know, if you if everyone just kind of worried about themselves, it would be you know, it would make things a lot easier. And I know everyone's not going to do that, but if I can at least do that and kind of just worry about myself and, you know, my loved ones. And obviously there's people I care about and I'm going to try to help in everything along the way and benefit. But, you know, if you could just worry about yourself and the task at hand and, and your goals and stuff and everyone else can kind of do that, then, um, you know, it's a lot easier that way. So that's kind of what I, that's kind of the philosophy, philosophy I try to live. And, uh, you know, it helps, you know, I have a ton of people, you know, like I was obviously at Alpha Mel for 10 years and I'm always going to be associated with that team. Yeah. But now I live in Vegas, you know, I'm training in Denver where I'm at right now oh, shit. Um, with Dwayne and, you know, a bunch of different guys here, you know, still really figuring all that out. Elevation, Muscle Farm, um, Dwayne is obviously going to be my head coach, but he's a wizard. So yeah, man, it's just awesome, man. And that's what's great about martial arts in general is we're a big family and you know, everyone wants to help each other, you know, like in any town or city, you can, you know, find someone that just trains martial arts and go into a gym and you have that automatic bond and train. You can get close right then and there because you guys are doing the same thing and go through the same, you know, stuff. So um, it's just awesome, you know, being 11 years in the sport now and just building relationships and finding, you know, different people who want to help me. And I'm at a situation where I can choose the people I want to help me where, you know, I wouldn't say I'm on a team. You know, when you're on a team, you kind of like, all right, this is the coach, this is the coach, this is the coach. I can be like, hey, I'm a fighter, and I like this coach, I like this coach, and I like this coach. Let's work. Hey, Joe, let me ask you a question, too. Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think, because you're coaching these guys very carefully, do do you think the guy, the best Mighty Mouse, is uh, on that show right now? Yeah, I think, honestly, I mean, it's funny, because you see it in every show where it's like, hey, Dana's like, this guy would be an interesting fight with Mighty Mouse. And, I mean, on any given day, any of these guys, you know, could best Mighty Mouse. They all have the tools to do it. It's obviously a fight. You know, Mighty Mouse goes out and executes. But yeah. I'm telling you, man, the winner of it, like, these guys were great when they went in. Coming off that show, they're better fighters, better men, stronger, more motivated, more knowledge. And they're just even more dangerous than they went in. They went in. So the one person that wins that is 100%, I think, you know, has the chance to dethrone Mighty Mouse. I mean, we got to mention this after the great how just how great the talent is on this show is obviously there's eight fights eight finishes one guy could potentially beat mighty mouse but let's we have to mention the number 16 seed brandon moreno who just took a short notice fight while still on the show and beat the number nine seed in the world 
or number nine ranked guy in the world. This was a guy who lost in the first round. He goes out and chokes out the number uh, nine ranked fighter in the world in two minutes. Um, and that just shows the knowledge. And what I was saying earlier, um, how much he improved on the show. If he lost on the show, then goes and beats the number nine guy in the world. He became a better fighter, more of a man, more dangerous being on that show. Goes out, chokes out the number nine guy in the world. Now he's ranked in the world. And, uh, you know, he didn't even make it out of the first round of the show. Damn. That shows you. That shows you the fucking level, Jimmy. Well, when is your fight, Joe? Before we let you go, we know you're on your way to, to hear the car starting. You're, you're fighting when, buddy? <coughs> uh, we're, we're fighting on the tough finale, uh, December 3rd, and that's the finale with me and uh, me and Henry, um, Mr. Role Model. Um, <laughs> and the main event. And, um, and uh, Mighty Mouse and the winner of the show as the main event and that'll be in Vegas. Oh, um, get your tickets. I think, I believe it's at the Palms. Um, great venue. December 3rd. You know? Yeah. December 3rd. Now, more importantly, yeah. you do know that's Ozzy Osbourne's birthday. Is that why you guys are fighting on that day in a tribute to Ozzy Osbourne? Apparently. Yeah. Apparently that, <laughs> that, that's the only logical reason. All right. Good. We fight on that day, so. Well, good luck, I, man. I, I know that, that this fight possible. means a lot to you. I, I know that we've interviewed Henry too. It means a lot to him. I mean, all your fights obviously do, but I, I know this one, especially after coaching, you really want this. So, uh, so good luck, man, and uh, you're you're a nice guy, and I hope you do well. Good talking to you, Joe. It's gonna get wild. Hell yeah, you guys are the best, man. Anytime. Right. Take care, buddy. Be good. Later, yeah. homie. All right, later, guys. All right, bye. The guy's loving life. Yeah, he's he is. loving life. And uh, how do you not like that? I guy? love life. I love life too. You know, people tell me, Matt. What do they tell you, Jim? You've got a zest for life. Zest? <laughs> Was that a soap? You know, <laughs> I said what best Mighty that? Mouse, and this is why I laughed. Because at one point, Joe goes, maybe the guy to best Mighty Mouse. He said to best Mighty Mouse. I love, is, that, is that what he I said? I love old-timey expressions like that. They're the worst. To best? Yes. Do you think that you're going to defeat your opponent uh, in your coming uh, bout? I, just, I love... <laughs> I didn't even hear that. Yeah. That's fucking great, yeah. no, well, Joe. Joe Beastie made me laugh, too. That's funny. <laughs> Joe Beastie. That people was good. Are, people are motherfuckers, man. Yeah. No, they, they, they go with the simple shit. That is funny. Joe Beastie. Yeah. That's good. That, I mean, they call me Fat Sarah sometimes. Instead of I, I don't like that. I at don't all. like it either. And I, you're right. <laughs> Remember before when you said I was sweating? I go, no, I put my my face under the, the sink. I did, but no, dude. I think I'm sweating under my fucking in my chest, under my tits. You, Joe, you know, you you made me laugh before because Matt Matt is such a New Yorker. This is what I realized. You're, you're talking. You're such a New York guy because you're talking to him. You're like, Joe, yes, no, right or wrong. You just throw in <laughs> options. New Yorkers are. So, I, I love New Yorkers. Don't want to wait for an answer. It's like it's like get to it now. You know, it's a very fast pace. And I realized as Matt was talking, he's such a oh, New York man, dude. I just love it. We have such a good time. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a fun gig, man. Did you have a good time with Lewis too? No, it was torture. <laughs> no, it was all torture. Up. Fuck. No. The guy sat in my seat. Bisping had more fun getting his uh, eyes swollen than I had. I'll tell you, uh, Bisping, that guy, that, he's, he's a, a tough fuck, man. Yeah, man. I'll tell you, he's attacking Forrest. Yes. <laughs> Is that about the he's dog? a funny, we had him on a train though. He's in a fucking murder mystery in the mountains somewhere. We couldn't get clear audio, <laughs> but uh, he's a funny dude. He's got, I saw a, a coming attraction. He's in a new movie or something. Right Is along. He? Do you know... Look at Chris, the producer's guys, no idea. Yeah, he knows. Go, I, go. I, I go, swear go, to God, I saw him, I saw something with him acting, and he's in a new fucking movie, maybe Triple X or something like that. I hope it's not a porno. No, I don't think it's a porno. I, I don't think it's a porno. Dude, I was, you know, you, you know what? Michael was, Bisping, you know what really, I'll swell your eye, bitch. 
You know what stinks Terrible now? Joke. About, dude, I got my, my joke stuck. Dude, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. You're a good man, but that joke was awful. <laughs> Try to pick it up and, and run nah, it. The, yeah, just let it flop. You know there. what really sucks though, Jimmy, yes, is sir. that uh, I got my new house. I'm so excited. Oh, about. I got you more moved room. in already, right? We good. moved in, but now I'm sharing. We have such a big bathroom, and now me and my wife are in our room now. We didn't have the bathroom in our room, so we share a bathroom, and that could, that's a problem sometimes. Sure it is. You know, it cuts into your uh, alone time. It cuts into my whack off time for sure, because that's not right. You know, and then uh, you know, and then and, you know, sometimes I gotta buzz my I gotta buzz my hair every morning. Sure. So it's like it can get over the floor. <laughs> what are we talking about? You were gonna say something? Yeah, I, I looked it up. It, it seems like the middleweight champ is gonna be in Triple X Return of Xander Cage. I told you. Yeah. Oh. Wait, wait, what? It's Triple X Return of Xander Cage. I never knew Xander Cage is, left. I never knew he left either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Z- you tell me it's the re- Xander Cage is back. Yes, he's back. Holy shit! Wait, is Van- is that Vin Diesel? I get. I, Who I else is in it? Chris, the producer. I, I already closed it. I don't know. I just said that was. Yeah, I think that was Vin Diesel's movie originally. Well, don't go. No, you can't go guessing when it's Michael right. Bisping's new movie. Can we do some research <laughs> yeah. for the fucking champ? That's fucking great, guys. And it's the return of that guy. I mean, is it the return of Vin Diesel? Because if it is, I'm so unexcited. No, I'm no seriously. No, I want to see. Yes, it is Vin Diesel. Is it? Yes, it is. And and, and who does Michael Bisping play? <laughs> He plays a character named Hawk, apparently. Ooh, really? Hawk? Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking original. I like that. Oh, He's Hawk the fighter. Hawk. Oh, this is Buddy Falcon. Fuck. <laughs> Hawk. That's yeah, cool, yeah. man. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see that, along with fucking Roy Nelson's next movie. Oh, uh, yeah. These guys are all doing movies. He's doing a cop buddy movie. What is movie? somebody going to come? He's doing a cop buddy movie with big John McCarthy. We're in the trailer. He gives John McCarthy a kick in the seat of his pants. <laughs> Oh, and John McCarthy goes, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's getting into some shit with that, though, I heard. Yeah, but he's not, you know, he's no? in trouble. He's, no, no, he's going to have to pay a fine or whatever, six months or suspension. Oh, but he's not out of the UFC. I was actually worried. When Dana was talking, going, you do not fucking. I was like, oh, no, is he yeah. going to boot Roy out? But he's not out. You know, no. Roy is just too beloved. And McCarthy, and, and you know, I don't know how he's handled this behind the scenes, but he has not been a dick about it publicly. At all? No, no, he didn't even overreact. Not in the, in the moment, he, he really handled. didn't. He was like, ah. And uh, not for nothing. By the way, we didn't mention Stefan Struve the other night. We talked about him the other day. I forgot no. to find. I just forgot. He is a fun guy to watch. Who was the uh, Polish guy whose name I could? It was something. Daniel. Smith. Daniel Smith. Yes, we got him the other day. Daniel Smith. <laughs> Oh, I'm not gonna even fuck. How do you that say his name, Chris? I think it's Omalanchuk. Omalanchuk. That's why Chris still has a job because this guy can pronounce a fucking UFC and fighter so, name that's well. The worst thing I, I got going for me is how I pronounce shit. But uh, that was yeah, a good fight. I like that. I, I told you I was walking. I was in a van with that guy one time. I think I told you we got to the airport. What a nice guy, that guy Stefan Struve. I, I want to meet him. I've never, met, I've never been around him. I like him. I like him a lot, but I, I can't walk around with the guy. Because it looks weird. No, it does. It looks perfect. Nah, dude. Why? It's perfect if he wants to rest his sack on my head. Why? Because yeah. like, I'm up to his groin. That's hot. It's hot. <laughs> it's fun. Dude, we actually got out of this. I don't I forgot where we were. We were walking in the airport, and I go, look, man, we got. I got to go my own way. <laughs> I can't walk away. We might have been going the same you way. You both bald. Come on. That's phenomenal. You should wear the same outfits. I'll give you 50 bucks <laughs> that would be to wear good. the same outfits. <laughs> you and Stephen Actually, Shoe. you would be better. No, you're taller than me. Though. Nah, How but tall I, are you? But you look more like, you look, you're, you're muscular. It's funnier if it's you. I just look like a twerpy guy and I'm not bald. You're bald and, he, and you're a fighter and he's bald and he's a fighter. And he's just, How tall you guys could play like. He's got to be pushing well, six you three. and him because you, you just got to. <laughs> <laughs> you could play like if it was Halloween you could play like the limp fucking cock and he could play like the hard on 
It's not Walking bad. Around, that's no? actually not bad. No? no, that's actually really good. Yeah? You put me in a wheelchair so it looks like balls. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, dude, look at my head. Oh, I'm about to explode. Well, your head's a little... All right, here's a question for you. Uh, what? Do you shop online? No. Yes. Are you retired? Am I retarded? Do you have children still living at home? <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, well, look, man, if any of these apply to you, Matt, I'm just thinking out loud here, but uh, you may be most vulnerable to identity theft. No. Me? Dude, even if you're not, identity Talk theft can happen to you. Oh, man. Look, hackers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to come up with new ways to steal your personal information. Oh, Look man. what they've done to Hillary Clinton. They've gotten into the Democratic committee's emails. Jesus Christ, if they can do that to the government, we don't stand a chance. Because we all know that, look, identity theft, it's a disaster. Financially, emotionally, even physically. And it can take years to repair. It's a nightmare. That's why I decided to help protect myself with Identity Guard. With Identity Guard, you get protection from a company that's been in the business for over 20 years. One that's helped protect more than 47 million people. You can be protected as well. Look, Identity Card continuously monitors millions of transactions and articles, and they send you all the news, the tools, and the guidance you're going to need to minimize your risk. Plus, if you were to become a victim of identity theft, let's just say on the outside chance that it happened, Identity Guard's victim recovery specialists are going to be there to help you through the recovery process. Identity Guard even offers identity theft insurance with coverage of up to a million bucks. So get the identity theft protection service that's right for you. Visit Identity Guard mm. at identityguard.com slash podcast. I would hate to see somebody steal Matt's identity. Then all of a sudden another guy shows up and I have to pretend I like him. I don't even know him. He's like, I'm Matt Saro. Look at my ID. I'm like, well, the ID, it, it, maybe it is. <laughs> you don't look like Matt. You don't sound like Matt. You're not the same race as Matt, but you have his license. Maybe it's you. Protect yourself. You got to protect yourself. Let me have the Tic Tacs. Sure. You want a Tic Tac? No, no. I'm going to do something. I'm not, not going to hurt oh, them. Oh, okay. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to pop a few just, just in case I kiss a pretty girl. A little Trump reference. But uh, no, I'm going to do this before a punchline. I'm going to go, you know what I'm thinking? And then I'm going to do my punchlines to let people know, the put on your laughing hats. It's coming. You know what I was thinking? What? Did that say how good that is? All right, good. Tic Tacs from now on for me, for the kid. Oh, boy. Where's our guest? Where is our guest? Oh, he's we, we, for a few minutes. We have somebody coming yeah, in. Yeah, 15 minutes will be in, probably. Okay, All right. Good. We could shoot the shit for 15 minutes. We certainly can. I have to I'm, tinkle. Do you? Let's I wouldn't should, mind pissing. Let's take five. Take five. We come back. I'm going to piss two. We're halfway through. Unfortunately, it's out my ass. Ooh, good boy. Let I have me a go stomach first. problem today. Yeah. All right, sweetie. You probably didn't get enough rest. Maybe some of that airplane food. <laughs> I just did a little finger walk up. Max, y'all did don't, airplane don't, food. Don't ever do that again. That's twice. Don't it's do cute. That. <laughs> I'm only kidding. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? I hope you do. Because posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, and you know you do, you need to post your job on all the top sites. And here's the good news. Now you can. You're probably like, I'm too busy to go to all the top sites, Jim. I have a life. Well, with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus sites, including social media networks like Twitter and Facebook, with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. You post once, you watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, you rate them, you hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. 
Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. Now, one more time, you try it for free. You go to ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. You don't have time to be going to all these sites. Post, post, post. It takes forever. Just do it once. Get it over with. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports UFC Unfiltered. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? Of course you do. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of one button helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all of this on your phone or your tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash unfiltered. That's quickenloans.com slash unfiltered. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. We just came back. We took a break. We both took our pisses. And as we came back, our guest, uh, Jason Flom, just walked in studio. Yes. So perfect timing. We normally don't have timing this good. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah. And you smell good. I told him this is how creepy I am. He walks in, I'm like, you smell good. And it's his cigar. <laughs> But it's, it reminds me of cologne now. Tom Ford and all these have like leather and cigar. It's like a popular smell. I am wearing some cologne. You oh, know, you are? Maybe they, that's what I smell. What kind of cologne? It's a mixture. I'm wearing that uh, Santal 33 or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. It's good. You know, men and women can wear it. It's yeah. Nice. It's, oh, yeah, they always say that when they want to sell you woman's shit. They no. always say, that, no, no, whenever you're buying something, I'm like, who is that for men and women? They're like, oh, it's for both. That means it's woman's cologne. But I, I wear a lot of women's <laughs> well, they perfume. They tricked me. They got me all the time, too. Yeah, the you smell terrific. Oh, thanks. And you would just chomp it on the cigar outside, or are you no, one of those guys are trying to quit? You have the thing in your mouth? I just chomp on it. I don't know why. I like the taste of it. And, you know, Man, it's not a, a great habit, but you know, there's nowhere to smoke anymore, so I smoke it on the golf course. Otherwise, I don't smoke. You know? There you go. How many do you go through a day? My dad used to smoke them while he was playing tennis, which I was never could figure really? out. Yeah, but he wasn't a very good tennis player. <laughs> he mostly stands still, and if the ball didn't come right to him, he just let it go. But he had a cigar or a pipe. No, I just chew on it. I don't even smoke the fucking things. Um, by the way, I like this studio because A, we're upstairs with a comedy club, which is nice. Yeah. And B, I remember they used to tape a podcast here called Guys We Fucked, which yeah, is these two. They still yes. do? Wait, wait, what? I thought that's the greatest title for a podcast yes right? I've been on it it was it was it was uh oh you were on it were you one of the guys they fucked <laughs> no but I had to talk about girls I fucked and of course the Jewish version would be guys we fucked over right? <laughs> yeah that's great that's, <laughs> or, or, or guys we gave blowjobs to maybe we'll, Jewish girls gave head. <laughs> well oh that word, that's complicated that, that sounds like a shock I didn't know the history of this place that's that's what was sitting in my chair before this was the the cast of no the, in that other room Oh, in the other room. There other room. Wow. This is our room, Matt. I'm Wait, just impressed that you were on the show. I said, we'll talk about that later over a drink. I want to hear more. Oh, yeah. It was fun. It was a fun, honest podcast. I love it. Yeah. The, on that show. I want to do the research after this. I want to find out about that show. Yeah. It's terrific, right? It's a great concept. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. And it's doing well. People really like it. Really? Yeah. Well, I wonder why. I mean, you know. In, well, you never know. That could backfire if it's too cutesy. If it's one of those things where, um, you know, guys be fucked, but they just kind of soft, you know, step around and like bullshit, no one would enjoy it. But the fact that they go right into it, people yeah. like it. Yeah. I got, I'm going to start listening to it. I got to start That show's still on the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably we're, we're, we're promoting that show now. Hey, the guys we fucked. 
That's great. Let me ask you, do you watch any of the uh, mixed martial arts, UFC and what that? I do. It's like I consider it like a guilty pleasure, you know? Yeah? I mean, it's hard not to watch it. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not a guy who like knows all the schedules and everything yeah. like that, but when a big fight is on or something, yeah. and you know, I, I I watched it back in the beginning too, when it was like uh, pretty much uh, like almost no rules. Like a freak show in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, because in the beginning it was like, you know, yeah, it, was all, it was impossible to take your eyes off the yeah. thing. You'd have giant guys fighting with little guys. Exactly. Sometimes the little guys would win and, yeah. you know, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, the guys are so incredible. As athletes, they're so incredible. And, of course, you know, anybody that watches it thinks, wow, how, I mean, how can somebody survive the type of the kicks and things yeah. like that? But it always amazes me how they're able to compartmentalize it. And afterwards, they hug. Yeah. You know, they're, they're sort of, it's sort of an ethereal thing, right? These guys are practically killing each other. And afterwards, they, you know, it's right back to normal. Well, you know, you know, you look at you know some boxing matches, and and there's been wars with that, and afterwards it's, it's similar. They're given it's a combat sport, you know. So like, you know, kickboxing, they're kicking the tie boxing, they're kicking the crap out of each other, and and they're friendly afterwards. Right, so they always like, embrace. There's like a, it's like honor in a certain way, right? Yeah. I think they respect each other as warriors or whatever. You know, yeah, I mean, that's the way like, I interpret it. Yeah, I it feels different. like you've been through something with that person. You know, I have had persons where. Guys that I weren't crazy about, or I felt this way or that way about, then afterwards we're hugging it out. Even the guys I didn't like the most, you know what I mean? Well, it's interesting too to watch. You know, when you watch like, um, oh, uh, uh, the the great Canadian fighter, uh, Saint GSP. Pierre, George Saint Pierre. Yeah, yeah. I know. George. I mean, when you watch them and you just say, "Wow, this guy could never be beaten." I mean, there's some guys you look and you go, "This guy is." I mean, yeah. But then everybody eventually yeah. meets somebody or catch him on a day or whatever. GSP did finally get beaten. I know, but I thought it would never happen. Lost I mean, only a couple of guys beat him. Lost, no, but I mean, like the last time when he lost his title was a good one. Yeah, it's, that, yeah. You remember that fight or no? Yeah, which one was that? Remind me, was uh, Hendrix? I think he lost to it. No, no, he no, lost no. To they got the decision on Hendrix. Oh, he got, he decision got the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GSP's title was taken away from him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he, listen, he lost to a couple of guys, but, but he, he had some fantastic runs. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. And, and again, got, a, a class guy, right? I very, mean, very really, nice guy. I mean, incredible. He lost to a guy that was up to his nipples, though. That guy took out a his short, title. a oh. short guy, but yeah. a, but a very tough guy. Let's who see. that GSP, was the guy, the Marine, right? The former Marine. No, he wasn't a Marine. He was going to join the Marines, but the whole "don't ask, don't tell" thing kept him out of the military. That's not true. But did you ever see that? Right, that was an upset. The one he lost a, the title. Yeah. I think I did see it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm bad with names, or I would yeah. remember. But uh, but he was a, a, an amazing guy to watch. So many of these guys. Yeah. They're so they're, so, <laughs> they're like so violent, but yeah. so graceful. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's like a. You know, I always root for the underdog, so it's hard for me. That's me why too. against GSP, I rooted, and I like George, yeah. but I rooted against him in that fight because I wanted the underdog to beat him. Yeah. It's always like one of those things where you want it to happen. He's a nice guy, George, though. I like him a lot. Yes, he is a he nice is guy. He's a nice guy. You've met him. Oh, I know. I know him, yeah. And then there was that guy, Johnny Hendricks, right, who was, yeah. had a great run at the top. Right. Who I thought yeah. was incredible to watch. And now, he, and then uh, my buddy, um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, beat him up bad didn't you think that Hendricks got robbed against Robbie Lawler I thought he won that fight and they gave it to Lawler oh, man all those fights blend into one they fought he twice lost the belt. Yeah. yeah they fought did he lose it to Robbie lost the belt to, to Robbie am I incorrect he lost the belt to Robbie Lawler yes that is correct I'm gonna say that's correct Christopher Deuce is even shaking his head I think that's right of okay, course it's so. right but they had a couple of fights that just felt like one long fight it was just yeah. a battle but uh yeah, and Robbie Lawl, another one who's on top of his game, and then he just lost recently to uh, T. Wood, yeah. who's going to be fighting Wonderboy Thompson. So it's an exciting time. 
And uh, you know, you're an innocent, uh, an innocent. You're an, an interesting guy. You're an innocent. Well, no, I was going to mention Project. Uh, you're an interesting guy to me. You're the CEO of Lava Records, so you have a very full life, and you've discovered a lot of artists. Um, right. So I don't even, even know if I was introduced. I'm Jason Fly. I know anyway. I did. I, I, I mentioned yeah, you yeah. before you came. <laughs> in. I, see, I call you mad with names. I can't yeah. remember my own name. No, no. I did uh, I, before you came in. I said who you are, and you were coming in. Oh, okay. And uh, well, what year did you get started in music? And who was the first, uh, the first pop of who you, like the first big uh, person you uh, discovered? Well, the first one I ever discovered was a band called Zebra. The people from New York will remember Zebra. Didn't uh, he have a high pitched? Uh, yeah, he said, Tell me what you want. That's the one, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was pretty good. Thank um, you. You're going to get Oh, I got discovered. <laughs> Who's Behind the Door was the first one, uh, first song, but Tell Me What You Want was a big hit. And then, uh, then I, I spent a long time and put a lot of energy into trying to sign Twisted Sister. And I got oh, every, my bosses would have no part of it. And eventually I gave the tape to a guy called Phil Carson. He threw it in the garbage. But then later on, coincidentally, he saw the band in England. Totally coincidentally. And then he called me up. He says, the best thing I've seen since I signed ACDC. I mean, he was a legend in the industry. And he ended up signing the band. But I was stayed connected with them. And I worked very hard on them. And that was so satisfying because everybody said they sucked. Yeah. And I love those, you know. It's kind of like when I signed Kid Rock years later, you know. Everybody, it seemed like for every fan of his, there was a thousand haters. Right. Everybody was out to get this guy. And I said, no, this is, when he made Devil Without a Cause, which was the first album he made for me, wow. I thought it was one of the greatest albums of all time. And I oh, said, I'm going to break this fucking thing if it kills me. I'm going to, and I, I just, I knocked on every door and I didn't stop. And eventually we, of course, it came, became one of the biggest albums of all time. And, and you, so you signed Kid Rock. Did you discover did. Kid Rock, basically? I did. I did. Well, a kid that was working for me named Andy Carp came to see me one day. Okay. And he says, uh, you know, this guy gave me the CD at a conference, and he showed me a CD. He says, it's sort of rap, it's sort of rock. I don't know. I yeah. said, he says, I should go see it. I said, go see it. He goes to Cleveland to go see him, which was weird because he's from Detroit. But he comes back, and he says, I don't know, boss. He goes, you know, he... There's only 40 people there, but he comes out of a coffin to start the show. He's got a midget on stage. Well, he can't call it that anyway. But, <laughs> right. a, but a, a little guy. You can call it a midget in here. I know we don't offend <laughs> any. We're unfiltered. He had a little call guy want, on a little stage person. cursing and rapping. And I said, I better go see this for myself, right? I hadn't heard that story before. So I went to Detroit and I saw him play from 1,500 people. It was incredible show. Yeah. And then we had a meeting in the basement of a disco at 2.30 in the morning. Because wow. he had to take down all the rigging himself. He used to do everything himself. And so... Uh, so yeah, I went to this meeting and I said to him, what are, you, are you a rapper? Are you a rocker? What are you trying to do? And he says, don't worry, I'll show you. He says, let me make a couple of songs. So he made a couple of songs. He sent it to me, name-checked me in one of them. The song, I got one for you. There's a line where he says, hey, Flom, you want to hit money? <laughs> I got one for you. So, uh. and then it ended up on Devil Out of Cause. So I heard these two songs. The other one was Somebody's Gotta Feel This. And I called them up. I remember I was in a rent-a-car on Hollywood Boulevard. I called them up. I just heard it. I said, I'll give you whatever you want. And he says, he told me the deal he wanted. And you know what? He stuck to it. After, of course, I offered him a deal. Then his manager took it out and shopped it to some other labels because he already had a deal. And other yeah. labels started calling him. And he was like, no, I don't need you now. He, and they, oh, we'll offer you more money. We'll do this. Uh, he was totally honorable. He was loyal. Wow. He stuck by And you know what? That was the best decision he made because I... I really went on, out on a big limb for him, and, and I was so proud to see. And I'm still proud of him. I mean, the guy is, you know, he's an incredible performer, great, great musician. Just yeah, a, a huge fan. Have you had any stolen out from under you like that? Like, uh, will you offer someone a deal and you think it's wrapped up, and then the next thing you know, they're gone? You know, I, I've been through therapy to try to forget those, but, you know, I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble thinking of it. But, no, you know, it happens, of course. It's a very competitive business, you know. Um, and so... But, you know, the good news is you remember the winners, you try to forget the losers, yeah. uh, the, you know, the ones that you missed out on, because uh, otherwise you go nuts, because that's part of the business. Well, I mean, you, you, you discovered, uh, or did you discover Lord? I did. So there's somebody that said no to her or thought of her first and said, nah, forget it, because they, like, you know what I mean? So that's her, she's their horror story. Like, fuck, we blew that one. You know what I mean? Well, so I, no matter how good it is, 
there's always someone who missed them too. So well, well listen, a bunch of guys passed on the Beatles. You know, it goes back right, to that. Right, 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 right. Lord was interesting because when I first heard her, she had only had 200 SoundCloud plays. She was totally unknown. She was from New wow. Zealand. She her music had only been available online for two days, and I happened to get it just by luck coincidence somebody sent it to me and the minute i heard it i said oh my god you know what's crazy about that too by the way and you guys will appreciate this i don't know why my mind works this way but so royals she wrote royals because she saw a picture of george brett in a royals uniform which is weird because she was in new zealand where there's no baseball right yeah but she saw this for i don't know where she saw it i gotta find out she wrote this song royals and the next thing you know the song becomes the number one song all over the world and the next thing you know, the Royals become from the worst team in baseball, the best team in baseball overnight for two years in a row, right? The one year they made the World Series, the next year they won the World Series. It's sort of a weird energetic thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like they traded yeah. all the players, they got all new players, they just somehow or other got better. I think all the shitty teams out there should give her a call. Maybe yeah, she can make absolutely. a song. Yeah. <laughs> her phone's probably <laughs> ringing off the hook. Right? You know? <laughs> the Mariners. Can you write a song, Mariners? I don't know. Hey, what did you think of uh, vinyl? Was that realistic or no? You know, I didn't watch it because uh, I, you know, I, I often say like I don't know if porn stars want to go home and have sex, but I, you know, when I go home, uh, you know, it's like I, I want to watch uh, True Detective or you know something yeah. like that. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm more interested in other things. Well, kind of Ali plays the, uh, the, you know, he kind of plays your role. He plays the mogul, who's, uh, but he, he plays a very volatile guy, and apparently a lot of it's based in in truth. And uh, it was just interesting to watch the process of like, because you give credit to the guy in your office, which was great. Like this guy will go watch him here and you go check him out there and see what you can put together. And it's just such a crapshoot. Like you, like the guys you think are going to hit big don't. And then the one you hear has 200 plays all of a sudden is one of the biggest stars in the world. That's absolutely right. And you know, it's funny. My niece, um, uh, my, my second cousin, because my cousin's daughter, Orly, uh, was, was in the show. Uh, she's actually an actress. Oh, okay. She's a very good actress. And she was in the show. Uh, some people told me that the Ray Romano character was based on me, but I have no idea. I can't prove that, oh, but wow. I like thinking ah, it. You know what yeah. I mean? But the, uh, yeah, the business, see that. the business is crazy. <laughs> the voice is similar. Right. You know, the thing about the business is nobody knows. No- it's like the famous screenwriter. I think it was, uh, what was his name? William Thompson or something like that in Hollywood. He said, in Hollywood, nobody knows nothing. And in the creative businesses, whether it's books or movies or, you know, how many people passed on the biggest books? I'm sure Harry Potter was rejected by everybody, right? You know what? Uh, she got rejected by, was it 40? I forget how many. It's an astronomical number of people wow. shot her down for those Harry Potter. What's, what's her name? The Oh, my God. Uh, um, J.K. Uh, Rowling. J. K. Boy, well, now we sound like we're all... Uh, I got the J in there. <laughs> no, wait, wait, was it J.K. Rowling? Yes. yes yeah. She uh, got turned down by, I think it was 40 or something, and then finally got picked up by a smaller one who she stayed loyal to. And then there's that crazy story about Confederacy of Dunces. You know about that? One of my favorite books. No. Confederacy of Dunces was written by a guy named John Kennedy O'Toole, and he chopped it everywhere. Nobody would touch it with a 10-foot pole, and he killed himself. And his mother then continued shopping it and finally got some professor, I think at San Francisco University, took it and listened, read it and took it to a publisher. It got published and won the Pulitzer Prize. And it's incredible. It's so funny and so great. Confederacy does it. You should read it. It's fantastic. I have it. And Colin Quinn, you know Colin Quinn? I know he, he is, He screamed of at me because he, you know, he made me get it because his favorite book. And I read some of it and I got distracted. And he's like, you fucking acted like you read the whole thing. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I, just I mean, got mad at me because I really... it, but I will. It was great what I read. Well, give me some cliff notes. Is it a big, uh, what's it about? Just the... Is it's it a, a big thing? Is it a? I, I read it 15 years ago, so yeah. I can't get, tell you the whole story. Yeah. But it's about a guy in, uh, I think, in New Orleans. But it's just, I, it's more about how it's written. It's just, it's yeah. like you get so many times when you read, it, you can be laughing out loud. Well, it's also wow. the fact that he committed suicide. I, you know, like it's just such a tragic story. How old was he? 
I was a kid. I think he was young. I don't know. I wasn't a kid. I don't know. I actually don't know. If it's something worth looking up, we can look it up right now. Um, I see our, our producer is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. the producer. Chris is on it. He's well, when you ask him for something, when yeah. I asked him how many people J.K. Rowling's got turned down by, he just wouldn't even open that computer. He wouldn't Fuck. look at it. He's busy. He's, he's zoning out and just enjoying the show. He's, he's playing Angry Birds. No, this guy's on it. I'm telling you. He's good. Uh, well, we don't actually can't see what he's doing over there. He might be downloading porn. <laughs> exactly. No yeah, you hear just, oh, yeah. Look at that smile on his face. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now you got me. Yeah, you hear, you hear just, you know, the, the German language and shit sounds. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, so, yeah, ger- German porn, not my favorite. I don't no, know. mine either. It's yeah. too angry. It's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm Jewish. It's a conflict. I don't know. It's a conflict. Although they're, they're, great, yeah, they're great friends of Israel, though. It's, you know, we can't live without Germany anymore. Back then, bad. Back now, then, good. Very, very good. bad. Very good. So, who else besides our Lord recently? Because you, I mean, you've had so many successes. It's, I, I mean, I'm reading it. So I'm just waiting. I'd rather you say it than me say it because I can just read your. You know. Well, Jesse J was a great one for me, and going backwards, uh, Paramore, you know, Haley Williams, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Then, of course, it was Matchbox Twenty oh, and wow. the Cores, and going back further, Stone Temple Pilots and and uh, Skid Row, and you know, I signed a lot of those uh, rock bands yeah. back in the day. You know, what do you look for? Like, or is it just a feeling you get when you hear somebody? Oh, I forgot to mention Katy Perry. That's a good one. Wow. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So. It's funny. I look for stars. You know, I loved. Uh, I wanted to be a rock star, and then yeah. when I, I realized that when I was eighteen, I you know I heard the first Van Halen record, and I was a guitar player, and I said, "Fuck it." You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might as well try to dunk a basketball yeah. with my three-inch vertical leap. It's not going to happen, right? So I said, "I'm never going to be able to play that good." I wanted to be. My dad had told me. You know, he told me and my brother. He said. Do whatever you want to do. Try to be the best at it, but just make the world a better place. If you can do that, you'll right. be a success in my That's eyes. Nice. And, I, and I revered my dad, so I wanted to do that. So and I realized I got a, an, in, like an intern position at Atlantic Records when I was 18, and I said, you know what? This, I love this, right? ACDC had just come out with their uh, Highway to Hell. I was putting up Led Zeppelin posters in stores. I said, this is the greatest job. I don't know, $4 an hour, free records. I was wow. like, it doesn't get better than this. Smoking pot all day. Fantastic, yeah. you know? So, um, so I decided I was going to try to be the best at that, help other people become stars. And I'm very attracted to stars. So I look for stars, you know, not just records, but stars. It's more than just talent, more than hitting the chord. It's more than that. Yeah, it's somebody who walks in a room and they and, and there's no oxygen for anybody else. You it's know, like, they, they yeah. walk in and you just go, everybody turns. They even don't know who they are. They turn. They go, What is it that makes that, that too? Because you know, there are people, and again, maybe because I love, you know, uh, like I'm such an Ozzy Osbourne fan. Yeah. So when Ozzy, the first time I saw him, he walks into a room and the cologne is... Is good, and you do, he just the whole everyone looks at like oh. you just can't not look at this guy when he walks in. What is it that gives somebody that it's thing? It's like that it fact. Yeah, what is it? Fighters I, have I, that too. I don't too, know if it's fighters. confidence. Well, confidence is a big part of fighting too, right? You read when the Mike 100%. Tyson movie, you learn how he basically walked in knowing he was going to win, and yeah. you know, and even if you look at Tiger Woods, when he was on his game, it was like he knew he was going to beat the other guy. The other guy knew he was going to beat him, and he knew that the other guy knew that he knew that he was going to beat yeah, him. And yeah. It was over before you started. Same thing Tyson yeah. said in the movie. So with the stars, they have this. Um, I don't know. It's like a it's a combination of confidence and style and like uh, the way they carry themselves. I always say like when you meet a real star, you could give them the same clothes that somebody else is wearing, but they wear them differently, right? Yes. The way they wear them, it just hangs better on them. It just looks. It's like they got this thing. It's like, and I like that. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to be that guy. I grew up in the era with the, the larger than life characters like Steven Tyler and Kiss and you know Alice Cooper and Zeppelin. Like when the, when there was they were like magical figures. And right. I just yeah. wanted to be a part of Queen. Right. I want to be a part of yeah. that, and so and I found my way into it, and, and you know I've been very lucky. You know, I've been, You're passionate about it. I'm very passionate. And you're about still it. passionate. All this, all, how many years you been in the business? 
Because you've named it well, some I, bands. I started when I was 18, so that's wow. uh, I don't want to give it away, but little... that's 37 years ago, okay? Oh, shit, so I've been man. doing this for a minute, and I left out a lot of names because we don't have time, but it's been, I, I, look, you got to be lucky in this business. You know, you got to be lucky anyway. You got to be lucky in the music business because yeah. a lot of it is luck. You got to be in the right place at the right time. Who would you, I mean, and again, I know this is a very tough question, so you may have to, like, just, you know, whatever answer you think of first, but you've been around some amazing characters. Who would you say had that quality the most just in a room that you've been with? I'd say and there's pro- so many, I'm sure. There's but. so many, but Kid Rock and, and Katy Perry and Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. I mean, yeah. that guy, when you first meet him, you go, Jesus yeah. Christ. I mean, Bon Jovi used to call him Miss Texas. I mean, he's so good looking, it's ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, there's so many. And, and Scott Wilder. he's a giant had, dick, too, so, Kid Rock. Oh, uh, no, no, uh, 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 Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian. Um, you would tie he, it in a bow or something? It, uh, <laughs> I, uh, oh, I mean, uh, I remember when we were making the first record. Uh, he called me and he, he asked me to come in his room. There was, there was a, in Wisconsin, we were recording it. It was the second record, first record, whatever. The other guy's like, don't go in his room. I was like, uh, so I go in his room. First of all, he had a pizza that was like three, four weeks old. It was growing ah, like fungus and things on, everywhere. And then uh, he showed me his family photos, and uh, the family photos involved him being very, uh, very much naked. And I got to see exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, it's intimidating. Right uh, now, that's Sebastian Bach. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's right awesome. now, Jimmy's thinking he's tall. He's got long hair. He's got a big dick. Jimmy's like, if only he had tits. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy'd be in love. I thought, you know, but I, I, I grew up in a household where there wasn't even cursing. Jimmy. So when he said family photos, I thought it's going to be some nice pictures. Oh. Out. Well, here we are by the lake, whatever. Oh. No, it was a very different type of idea of his family photos but anyway so yeah so uh so yeah it's been it's been a great run but you, then well, go ahead no, no, go ahead buddy no i was gonna say but the you know the, the interesting thing is that along the way i managed to find out what, what you know what really gives my life meaning which yeah. is this you know the, the, this work that i do on criminal justice reform and that's you know i really want to talk about that because i have my new oh, podcast yeah. out and and now i'm in your business what's, what's it name? called yeah, go ahead. It's, it's called wrongful conviction and I'm very excited. It, it, it came out last week. It actually waited all the way up to number seven on the charts, which nice. is incredible. Very nice. And uh, there's been a great reception to it so far. So, yeah, it's Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom. It's available on, on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And in this show, you know, I've been, I'm a founding board member of the Innocence Project, right? So I've been with the Innocence Project only since the begin- almost since the beginning. And with everybody now being really more aware of this problem because of making a murderer and serial and these other, the night of and these other shows, I think people are becoming aware that this problem is, is like an epidemic of wrongful convictions all over the country and, and the world. But it's a, in America, we have this mass incarceration insanity. And that, of course, means we have more wrongful convictions than anybody else. So we have more, prison people, more people in prison than anyone else. Can I ask you a question about that, too? Because it's it, this is the one charity that I really wanted to get involved with. Because to me, the one the, the thing that shakes the foundation of being an American is the fact that in this place where there's justice, you can go to jail and you didn't do it. Project Innocence doesn't. They don't like like look for legal technicalities. They try to get people out who like, legitimately did not commit the crime. Right. That's absolutely right. You know, it's it's Innoc- the Innocence Project. Right. It's innocenceproject.org if you want to learn more about it. And the fact is, the Innocence Project was started by Barry Sheck and Peter Newfell when they realized about uh, almost twenty five years ago that you could use DNA to prove guilt or innocence in a crime and a violent crime. Right. In a rape and a murder. Not if you shoot somebody from across right. the field, unless you <laughs> drop a cigarette butt or you drop a gun or something. There's nothing with your DNA on it unless you didn't touch something. But in any crime in which there's a struggle, if there's a stabbing, if there's a, a fight before a shooting, if there's a rape, if there's an assault, the, the, your DNA is there. You can't, you can't do this and not leave a trace of DNA. So the fact is they found out that you could prove that people were either 
again, innocent or guilty. And so the mission of the Innocence Project has been to do two things. One is to exonerate people. Some of our people that we've exonerated were sentenced to death, by the way. We've had over 20 death row exonerations. And they they just didn't do it. They didn't do it. There's there's absolute certainty that they didn't do it. How many were put to death? Well, we don't know how many were executed that were innocent, but we know several cases uh-huh. that because normally you stop investigating after the person yeah. is, is is executed. But we've t- uh, twenty or twenty one people now we've exonerated who were on death row who oh. would have been executed if not wow. for the fact that the Innocence Project got involved. So among the hundreds of exonerations that we've had, people sentenced to life, people we got a guy out in in April who I become very close to named Keith Allen Harward. He went to prison in nineteen eighty two. He oh. got out in April. For what? It was a brutal crime. It was a crime in uh, in Virginia where a house was broken into, the husband was killed, and the wife was raped and beaten up for hours. And they couldn't figure out who did it. She only remembered that it was a guy in a sailor's uniform, right? And there was a ship parked uh, that was being repaired to something uh, nearby. Keith was in the Navy. There were thousands of guys on the ship or in, in, the, uh, in, in the area. And so they, they couldn't, they took everybody's fingers, they couldn't figure it out. And finally they decided that they would check the bite marks on her body and take dental impressions from people. And then you had six dentists, forensic dentists, get up and say with absolute certainty, this is the guy, these are his bite marks. It doesn't work. We've proven, and that's the other mission of the Municipal Project, is to prove to drive changes in the whole system so it doesn't happen again. So we've proven now, in, in study after study, that forensic dentistry doesn't work. It's only invented. Really? Why it even exists is because if there's an earthquake or a, a huge disaster, some, and people are obliterated, right? And you can't identify them. A fire, you can't identify them from their body parts. You can take a whole set of teeth and compare it to their x-rays from the dentist's office, and then you can actually tell. Yeah. But when, in a bite mark, they go, like somebody... You're only leaving a partial impression on an imperfect surface with only a couple of teeth. There's nobody. We've given tests to, to these forensic dentists guys where sometimes they can't even tell if it's a human or an animal. They've been wrong about that. We had a case in Mississippi. A guy was exonerated. They said it was his teeth marks. It wasn't. It was an animal. It was a body. It was a child, too. It was a horrible crime where the child had been uh, dumped in a swamp and the animals had bitten. You know, it sounds that's horrible to talk about, but the yeah. fact is that's what it was. The guy had nothing to do with it. So, By the way, didn't they say that's what happened in the West Memphis 3 because the kid's penis had been bitten or something and they were saying that literally from being in the water it might have been, they're saying that those were animal bites and not human bites. You might be right. I'm not as familiar with okay, that yeah. case, but the fact is, you know, you meet Keith and these guys, you know, or the guy I had on my podcast this morning, Michael, Morton, a lovely guy, no criminal record, no, you know, in Michael's case, his wife was beaten to death. I mean, it, it, like there was blood and, and things on the ceiling. Like it was a brutal crime. Now, how could you look at a guy who was a, a middle class guy doing well in the world, had a kid, had a loving wife, never had been in any sort of trouble. As he said, he had a speeding ticket or two in his life. That's it. Right. He'd never been in trouble. You don't all of a sudden just go fucking nuts and smash your wife's brains in. You know, like it, it didn't did ne- it? never made sense. It was a it was a guy who was a serial killer who did it. And actually he went on to kill another woman in the same way, not far away from where the first crime happened. And that should have never happened. That's, that's the other thing about this, right? Is that when you convict an innocent guy, you stop looking for the guilty exactly. guy. And that guy is free to go out and do whatever the fuck he wants. And those people are dangerous, dangerous people that society needs off the streets. So in about 50% of the cases where the Innocence Project has exonerated the innocent guy, we've also identified the guilty guy by getting a hit 
a DNA hit because their 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 DNA yeah. is in the system because right. they've committed other crimes. And so we know from the research that you know in the Central Park Five case, with the, which that, that fucking guy Trump, who I don't really like saying his name, you know, he's even recently said these guys are still guilty. He called for them to be executed at the time of the crime, the five kids, and that was a very notorious crime, right? Yeah, the Central Park sure, Jogger sure. case, and there's a movie Central Park Five. But in that case, and I had Raymond Santana on my on the first episode of, of my show, Wrongful Conviction. In that case, the five kids all confessed. Right, false confessions, and you know Trump took out all these ads saying these guys should be executed. The fact is, they were all innocent, and they, the cops knew it was only one perpetrator. And that guy went out and raped four other women and killed one. In the few months after, he didn't get caught, and he he was already a suspect in another rape. They, this one had instructions in it. They should have gone right to that guy and gotten him, but they just wanted to get anybody they could. It was such a high profile is, case. Is yeah. that what it is? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is it? Is it just? All right, we need to peg this on. When I we need to give the public an answer, a, a body, because we don't want. Is it like the police? Is that what it is? Is it just laziness, or is it just wanting to give them something because they don't have anything? Like, well, that's you know? a, that's a good question, and, and the fact is that the higher profile the crime and the more pressure there is on the police and the prosecutors, they you know they want to get somebody. You're absolutely yeah. right. They want to get they want to get it resolved. You know, at that time in New York, there was a lot of crime. And it was a lot of hysteria, and that case triggered all the things. It was, you know, a, a, a wealthy white woman in, in Central Park who was jogging, and it was like it triggered everybody's wilding these, minorities. These I remember predators, that, yeah. super predators, they call them, whatever it was, and they they just went out and rounded up some kids and got them all to confess. I mean, and and you know, it's it's surprisingly easy to get somebody to confess to something they didn't do, especially if they're a teenager. Well, those guys were in the park that night. They were they weren't like they, they were they were causing problems, but they were they didn't do that. Like they should have got a arrested for fucking up but not for that they didn't commit that crime i think some of them were out in out and about and you know some of them may have been part of a group that uh you know threw, knocked a guy off a bicycle or something yeah, else yeah, like they, that they but, have a few people I but, think. but but uh, yeah i don't even know if that's true and, and and again i mean even one of them was out with you know there was like a group of 40 of them and we, there's no evidence that he did anything but there was you know there was some of them were you know not, not maybe not up to the best activities but they had nothing to do with this with the rape no, they were not, not rapists. nothing to do with right. it no and, and the fact is that they they knew it they prosecuted him anyway because it was in all the papers and you know there's also you know you think about it, the system's not designed very well you know if you're if you're a, a prosecutor you know high profile case you solve it you know you might get promoted you know you're going to get a lot of accolades Happened in the Michael Morton case too in Texas when I was just talking about him. How much time did he do? Michael did twenty five years in prison. Oh, gee, how do you? And his wife is dead, and the kid grew up without the, either parent. Correct. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, he talks about when he was arrested six weeks after the crime. He was at home holding his son, and the cops came and pulled his son, uh, you know, out of his arms. And and imagine that the kid was three. He witnessed the murder. And by the way, they withheld the evidence. The kid had said. That he, that he saw the whole thing happen. He described the crime in oh detail, God. and he said a monster with a mustache came and killed mommy. And they asked him, "Was your daddy there?" And he says, "No, daddy wasn't here. Just mommy and Eric." And so, and then and he described the guy, and the guy actually fit the description that he said when he was caught. And, and we saw the pictures. He was a monster with a mustache. I mean, he looks like a monster. Now, just not not to get into detail with that, but how does that work when they they you find out the guy's innocent, and now all that time goes by? How does that do they? I mean, does he obviously he gets some kind of 
lawsuit going or i mean how does what how they can't make up for 25 years i mean you can't make up for it what happens to that guy what happens then like he doesn't go and get a job i mean he might but he might what happens with the guy well you're absolutely right how, how difficult is it yeah. to go get a job even though you're innocent and even though you had no criminal record before you went in what's your resume look like and exactly. i think there's a stigma that comes with that you've been in a maximum security prison people you know they they like to say they understand but they don't really understand no, can't. so and, and what are your skills you don't know how to use a computer or th- right you've missed out on everything so the fact fact is that about 30 to 35% of the exonerees get nothing, right? They're, and we're working on that. There's Isn't 20 amazing how they get nothing? There's 20 states that have no compensation statutes, and even the ones that do, some of them, like I think Wisconsin, the most you can get is $25,000. Now, except in an extreme case like Stephen Avery, where you were able to prove police misconduct, and he was suing for a lot of money, of course, when that thing, you know, when, when everything went completely haywire. Yeah. But there are some states that have better statutes and then there's also civil rights lawsuit that you can file but though but there's certain narrow circumstances that you have to hit and, and you have to the burden of proof is on you but if you are able to successfully pursue a civil rights lawsuit you can as an exoneree and get money but even then it takes years what are you supposed to do in the meantime they you know? should be forced to pay you a lot of money even if there's not police misconduct because it's their job and half the times the prosecutors fight new evidence coming in because they don't want to look bad uh the, right. you know there, there's these uh, shitty time uh Frames. I know Texas is very famous for not allowing evidence in after a certain uh, time period had passed. And, you know, it, it's like if new evidence comes in, like they, they made the fucking... Well, you should watch the West Memphis Three. It's a three-part documentary over a 10 or 12-year period. And I've interviewed two of the guys. Very, very interesting. Uh, there was a confession also. Bite marks, dead kids. It was really ugly. And uh, the state avoided paying them money because they fucking got them to take an Alfred plea, yep. which uh, admitted no guilt, but did whatever it was, and it was the state's way of saving. And the prosecutor said it was to prevent us from getting sued. It's a common thing. And the Alfred plea, for people that don't know, basically is the government saying, all right, we're going to let you out, but you're going to give up your rights to sue us. It's fucking and disgusting. It's disgusting. And in some cases, I mean, in the case of a woman who I interviewed on my show uh, a few weeks ago, this episode's not out yet, her name's Sonny Jacobs, and she was sentenced to death, and her husband was actually executed for the crime that they did not commit. Her husband, Jesse Tafaro, he was the one you might remember where the electric chair malfunctioned, although we think it may have been deliberate, and his head caught fire, and it took 13 and a half minutes for him to die. It was gruesome, right? And they were innocent. And in her case, when, wow. she finally, when they finally let her out, which was uh, 17 years later, they said to her, listen, we're going to give you 10 minutes to decide. We're offering you an Alfred plea. But in case you're wondering, we got a new jailhouse snitch, which we call incentivized witnesses, right? We have a new jailhouse snitch who's willing to testify that you did it, and, you know, somebody who was in the jail with her at the same time, and we're going to wheel her out if you don't take the plea, and we're going to go after the death penalty again, because she, her sentence had been changed to life by that time. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of pressure on you. To, wow. decision. Can you imagine 10 minutes to decide life or death? It's embarrassing. Like, to me, like, what you guys are doing, the Innocence Project, is that what it's called, Innocence yeah. Project? It, the state should be doing that. Like all this money we waste on other stuff and giving it to other countries, like we should be like pursuing stuff like this. Like that's where I want my tax money to go because that to me, it undermines the system so much when you know that there's people who legitimately didn't do it. And making a murderer, I saw all 10 of them. You know, the problem I had with that documentary is I felt the documentary makers, uh, the prosecutor justifiably came out and said they left a lot out. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's innocent. And then I, I saw the evidence that was left out of that documentary. I'm like, he fucking did it. Well, Stephen Avery did it, even though they were shitty. The cops fucked up. 
Uh, Brendan oh, Dassey, I'm not 100% sure, but well, Stephen Avery, I'm almost positive, did Bre the new crime. Brendan Dassey, you could be very sure he didn't do it. Stephen Avery, we may never know, right? The fact is, he may have done it. I don't think not he did it. Not the first crime. The first crime. No, the first crime, he was totally innocent. Right. The second one, there's a lot of evidence uh, that he didn't do it. I mean, that's uh, what is clear is that he didn't get a fair trial. And in America, you're supposed to get a fair trial. That's true. He did not get a fair trial. Everyone's entitled to a fair trial. We need to find well, let me out. Ask you, let me ask you a question, too, about that, about the fair trial. Because they said that they found... Like, they fucked up with the keys. I think the cops put the keys there. You know what I mean? Uh, I really do. Ob yeah, absolutely obvious, believe that. Yeah. But the things that they wouldn't have done is they didn't put his sweat under the hood. Like, there was weird, there was, there was DNA evidence in other places that the documentary left out, which really annoyed me, because either way, it's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating story. I, like I said, we don't have time to analyze it in detail now, but it, anyone who hasn't seen it, I think it's an incredible documentary. And it's never going to be perfect. You know, you have to make edits. You have to make a decision as a filmmaker. We don't know what was left out, but we do know that Brendan Dassey did not had nothing to do with this. He was a dupe. They wanted to increase. It looks to me like they wanted to just uh, improve their case or solidify their case against uh, Avery, and they were willing to sacrifice this poor kid uh, in order to do it. And he, uh, I mean, hopefully he'll get out soon. Didn't they find on his genes though? And this is maybe question Brendan Dassey too. Was they found like certain bleach evidence and things that were on his genes from helping in the, in the cleanup of the, there was other stuff. I read a lot about what was left out of the documentary. It was a 10 part documentary that probably would have been better done as eight parts. It was a bit long. They left stuff out because they had a narrative and that bugged me. It was maybe, like, maybe they should have done 28 parts because we left out a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah, too the fact, much. Hey, listen, it's, it's a very uh, fascinating and complicated case. But again, he got railroaded. There's a lot of, uh, there's, some, there's some circumstantial evidence. There's no hard evidence that he did it. And their theory was complete horseshit, right? The whole thing about they chained her to the bed. And this, I mean, it's ridiculous. It was, it was, it was, it was I, I, I was watching that thing and I was jumping at the TV. I was like, somebody needs to make this stop. Like this has to stop. Somebody has to go, this is all wrong. Go back to square one, mistrial, start all over again because you people are full of shit and or you was cannot it, do this. Or did they mistrial? And this is a question. Or did the documentary paint it like that? Because they didn't show you in the documentary the phone calls he made to this woman and how she had showed up at his house and uh, said uh, he was creepy. He answered the door in a towel and she didn't want to go back and see him again. And he called her a bunch of times with his number blocked and got her to come out. And then after she goes missing, he calls her from his real number, like almost to show, hey, where are you? Like setting him, building in an alibi. There's a lot of stuff that the documentary left out which really bothered me. On the other hand, if you look at it and you say, well, okay, so he was in for uh, 17 months or 21 months, something, a waiting trial, a long time, right? And he's a social guy, and he was all alone, and he called his mother almost every day, and they taped every phone call. My theory is if he was a real killer, at some point he would have not thought about whether they were recording him or not, and they certainly didn't tell him they were recording him. And he would have said, Mom, I'm, I, I can't believe I did this. He would, uh, Wait, I think, Brendan or Steven? Steven. Yeah. At some point, he would have slipped. He's not, he's not a bright guy, and he's not a great actor. It's, don't you think at some point he would have let that go? And then there's the thing with the bones being buried in different places, uh, you know, being stashed in different places. That doesn't make any sense. They actually found more stuff of hers in that fire pit than they said on the documentary. They found her phone. They found little studs from her jeans. They found a lot more in that fire pit than the documentary said. Wow. And the phone call to the mother may be true. He may have. But I put more evidence in the fact that there was sweat under the hood that they left out of the documentary and uh, those, that phone call evidence that they left out of the doc. There was a lot of stuff left out 
And he was a piece of shit, this guy. He burned that cat alive. Uh, he, he used to. He certainly oh, is not, he's he's not, not a good guy. Well, listen, unlike some of the people that I just talked to you about, Keith Allen Harwood, a guy yeah. who was in the Navy. Legitimately right? innocent, yeah. A legitimate guy, like serving his country honorably, you know, or, or Sonny Jacobs, who was just, as she said, she was a vegetarian and a hippie and a yeah, mother. Right. And, you know, I mean, her story, like, you have to hear this to believe it. I actually almost lost my shit in the studio when I was interviewing her because it's so fucking crazy that if you had Quentin Tarantino and Victor Hugo write. Uh, uh, if they got together to write the craziest shit, they, they would have stopped short of what happened to her. I mean, it's you got to hear it to believe it. And her daughter came on the show. She came on Wrongful Conviction with her mom. And she talked for the first time about what it was like growing up with her father being executed, what it was like saying goodbye to him, and, and, and her mother shit. being... And I mean, at, at a certain point, I really, I, I couldn't, I, I, I almost couldn't breathe. Couldn't the daughter sue? No. She can't sue. Because, for her parents being taken away from no, her? She's, no, I don't think she has any case. To sue. And her mother, unfortunately, can't sue either because of the Alfred plea. That's where the state, to me, is, is repulsive, is that uh, they should be forced to pay a lot of money if, if they fuck up. And the, the way they fight the new evidence coming in sometimes because they don't want to look bad, it, it really, really it, it makes you so angry at the system because it doesn't have to be like that. It's, it's just insane. Egos. We had a case recently, in, 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 a few weeks ago, a guy named Tony Wright got out in Philadelphia. This guy was in for 20, after 22 years in prison, the Innocence Project proved with DNA that he did not rape and kill this old, old woman who was killed. And the prosecutor said, fuck it, I'm going to retry him anyway. And they kept him in prison for another two and a half years before we got it to trial. And they came up with this new theory that he wasn't the guy, but another guy raped and killed her, and then he came and raped her after she was dead. Yeah, that's logical. I mean, well, this guy was a construction worker with a kid, a couple of kids. Like, it didn't make any sense, but they got him. And by the way, the real killer turns out to be, I think, the guy who testified against him. I'm, I'm remembering correctly. But anyway, the fact is, it took two and a half more years, and then we had a two and a half week trial. The jury deliberated for five minutes, and they came back. They declared him not guilty across the board, and they wept. They actually cried in the courtroom. Uh, over what had happened to this poor fucking guy. And the fact is, they stayed afterwards to meet his family. They, a lot of them stayed the next day. After two and a half weeks of trial, they waited another day so they could meet him and personally apologize as oh, jurors wow. for what the state wow. did to this guy. Because he was beaten into confessing. I mean, back then, 25 years ago in Philadelphia. It? Oh, Philly. Oh, it was a And the piece of shit prosecutor can't be held. Again, you have to have a certain amount of freedom when you're working in the law to say what you want without being held for you know, libel or but the fact that that I mean they can they disbarred Nifong for the uh, Mike Nifong for the uh, Duke Lacrosse, Duke case, Lacrosse yeah. case as he should have been. But th they really need to disbar more of these people when, when there's uh, uh, there's such misconduct. That, I mean that's just gross. You're absolutely right. There should be prosecutorial uh, yeah. in, in, integrity and and the only good news is there's a number of these places uh, around the country now uh, what they call conviction review units that are popping up. And so like Dallas had a, has a very good one. Brooklyn, sadly, the, the wonderful DA, Ken Thompson, just died in Brooklyn. But he established this amazing conviction review unit where they reviewed their own cases. Just what you were saying before. And they exonerated 20, 21 people under, in the 18 months in Brooklyn uh, because they actually were, they, they, they wanted to look at their own cases and say, did we do this right? And, you know, there's, 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 there's usually a, no, a small number of people, certain detectives. You know, it's not, look, there's a lot of good prosecutors. There's a lot of good cops. I want to make that very clear, right? We need them yes. as a society. We need sure. them. And most of them are very good. But the fact is the bad ones can, can really destroy a lot of people's lives. They, pr they protect us from truly terrible people. 
And, and, you know, when the few bad ones make you doubt the whole system because they do stuff like that. Right. And then, uh, but the prosecutors protect each other, and it's a problem. You know what I mean? They, they should do it. They protect the, the, uh, the office. You yeah. know what I mean? They, they protect the guy before them. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, what you guys are doing, we have to wrap up the show, uh, but I want to promote the, the, uh, the name of your, your podcast, um, which is... Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom. It's called Wrongful Conviction. If you Google it, you could, I mean, you pull it up on iTunes. You pull it up on, uh, like I said, Spotify, uh, Google Play. It's available everywhere. And, and the Innocence uh, Project and, is such yeah, a good And in thing. it, I, I, I interview different exonerees each week, and they tell their stories. And it's, one story is crazier than the other. You really have to hear it to believe it. And I hope that we'll really get the message out there and that people will listen and they'll start to understand that when they, go, when, when they become a juror, when they go to a trial, they should really try to take a hard look at it, not just accept what's being told to them as truth, because there's a lot of things that can go wrong, you know, and, and, and there are people lives, people's lives at stake. Not only the people who are on trial, but also the people who may become the next victim, which could be you. Yeah, you're, it's really fascinating. That's, again, that's the, I want to find out more after we're done about getting involved with that, uh, that, um, that, that cause. It's really, to me, that's where like, I like my money to go, getting people out of jail who didn't do it. Well, we'll take Which, it. We'll take your money. Yeah, no, no but problem. you should. No, that, that's a great, that's it, a, it I don't a feel like cause. it's a waste, you know. I, I feel very honored to be a part of it, to be honest with you. And, and it's just, it puts so much gratitude in your attitude when you meet these extraordinary people who've been through these in, in, incredibly terrible situations and come out the other side and they're smiling and they're happy and they're going about their lives and they're positive people. And you just say, wow, you know, I just want to, I want to do everything I can to help them. OJ, guilty or innocent? All right, listen. All right, we're gonna end it now, but uh, we're done. And if, <laughs> hey, look, if you want to check Don't me worry. out, go to my website. I, I'm gonna be appearing in Fort Lauderdale in November, and I have gigs in Philly at the end of October. Um, so just go to jimnorton.com, and you can get all my and, my dates. Oh, that I, I didn't cut you off with your plugs. Not at all, but and I know this is gonna bother Jason all because he's gonna be hitting his head. Who was the last guy to oh. beat GSP? It was me, you silly goose. <laughs> it was fucking me, Jason. There you go. All right, oh I just knew that God. was gonna be bothering you, so all I wanted right. to just. Shout, and you can watch that on UFC Fight Pass. But watch on UFC 69. Don't watch the rematch because that didn't go as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks for hanging out with You're us. You're awesome, dude. Hey, no, great. great to talk to you guys. Definitely. We're going to have you back and we're going to check out your stuff. And uh, Jimmy, I'm so happy to be back here. And uh, to I'm going to hug you the second we're done with this thing. All right. We'll see you guys uh, in a couple days. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.